0: What a scream, what a screamer!
1: God bless Arsenal Football Club. They gave us three whole days to celebrate the FA Cup. This is the Arsenal Vision Post-Match Podcast. My name is Elliot Smith, I a black man on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. So today was supposed to be Patron Pod Day, and tomorrow was supposed to be Pod for Everyone Day. But the news cycle never stops, as we know. Uh, so what we're doing is we're doing this, and the reason you're listening to it right now is because this is a podcast for everyone, where we are going to talk William Rumors. We are going to talk uh, Francis Kagajow. Yeah, I'm going to call him Francis. We're going to talk layoffs uh, and things of that nature. So we're going to get to a little bit of all that. And then tomorrow there will be a squad building scouting pod uh, talking about philosophies of squad building, talking about uh, value-based squad building, all the things that are no longer relevant at Arsenal Football Club. We'll even have some scouting of um, some under-the-radar players that we could afford cheaply uh, if they were, obviously, Kia Drabschian, uh, clients, so we will be discussing that on the Patreon pod tomorrow. But today is a day for Clive and for Scott. Scott will be on down the line. Clive is on now. You can find him on Twitter at pafc Hello, Clive. Hello. Then. Hello, indeed. So, all right. Look, <clears throat> uh, we'll talk William rumors in a moment because that's kind of fun, but it all kind of ties together. So, really quick summary of the news: the club put out a statement today. Interestingly, when they clawed the money back from the players, it was a uh, club statement. Today, it is an update from your club. It's our club. When they're laying people off, it's our club. Um, Throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, we have been working hard to ensure that Arsenal Football Club emerges in a robust and strong position for the future. In line with other football clubs and many other businesses operating in the sport, leisure, and entertainment area, we've been impacted directly by COVID-19. Our main sources of income have all reduced significantly. Revenue from broadcasters, match day, and commercial activities have all been hit severely and the impacts will blah, 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 blah. We know. Tough times. Cut to the chase. 55 people appear to be laid off. They talk about sponsorship money and ticket revenue and hopefully no second wave, but that that's an uncertainty. Um, Our aim has been to protect the jobs and base salaries of our people for as long as we possibly can. Unfortunately, we have now come to the point where we are proposing 55 redundancies. We don't make these proposals lightly. And uh, one of my favorite parts of it, I have to admit, so I say these proposed changes are ultimately about ensuring we take this great football club forward, creating the right organization for post COVID world and ensuring we have the resources to return to competing effectively at the top of the game here and in Europe. Uh, it is signed by Raul Sanyehi and Vinay Venkatasham. Although I am sure there is a cronky name associated with this decision as well. Uh, I do like the idea that this, this is a move that will help us compete at the top of the game domestically and in Europe. It certainly, uh, it's certainly a move that will do that i am sure look i i approach this with a healthy dose of skepticism while accepting the realities of the circumstance with which uh, within which we operate i don't think this can be discussed without reading club statement we are pleased to announce that we have reached a voluntary agreement with our first team players head coaching core coaching staff to help support the club at this critical time we are proud and grateful to our players and staff. We're pulling together to support the club, our people and our community in these unprecedented times, which are some of the most challenging we've faced in our history. When they clawed that money back, one of the interesting things was that Mesut Ozil didn't want to do it. We're not going to dive too deep in the Mesut Ozil thing, but Clive, he made the point that he wanted some assurances of how the money was going to be used, uh, that it wasn't just going to lie in the owner's pockets. And I'm not saying that's necessarily what has happened, but it is interesting that at that PR moment where the leverage was greatest, where the need was most evident, other clubs didn't do it. Arsenal did it, clawed the money back. And here we are, just a few months later, a few days after winning the FA Cup, securing European football, which does increase the coffers by a bit. Um, now, now indeed, those layoffs are happening nonetheless. So before we get into the, the Francis Kajigau, just couldn't call him Francis, the Francis thing and, and William thing, how do you react to this news? Uh, other than firstly and most importantly, our sorrow and our thoughts and our concern for the people who are losing their jobs. These are human beings who need this employment, who work probably for a club they love. So in some ways, a dream job. And in some ways, I'm sure, uh, sustaining income, life-sustaining income. So that is our priority to always keep that in focus. But this podcast is obviously about the club from a sporting standpoint. So, so in terms of this decision, um, in whatever dimension you want to first analyze it, how do you react to this news?
2: Yeah, the first thing is sadness, and you hope that it doesn't have to happen. And there's many of us in jobs right now, and we're looking around and we're looking at firms, and everyone's losing money. I mean, most of the world economy is based on people moving around and doing things, or based on mass gatherings, right? So, guess what? Football falls into that as well. Imagine all the commercial things that need to happen at a club driven by a mass gathering, or if you can't have more than 30 people, that goes, right? So, People that work in commercial departments, people that work in scouting departments, when there's certain levels of scouting that's not happening because the football's not happening, that goes. Certain things that happen on match day, which are driven by masses of people, that goes. Now you can say to yourself, well, oh, football's different. We just hide it and we just hold these jobs. They're not very high-paid jobs. Why not do that? And then... Our eyes immediately flipped to the highest-paid player in the club, who's sitting, sitting at home, not doing anything because he can't be able to put a jog on in training. You put two and two together: the 80 million pounds a year which Ursel gets versus the the low wages that some of these people get. And I will say, I'm not sure how many people are aware that people who do work at these clubs are really not very well paid for the roles they actually do. You know, it's almost seen as a privilege. And I met some, I met some chefs once at West Ham, mm-hmm. just West Ham chefs. I met them in Newcastle, and they told me they were earning. It's not a criticism of West Ham because this is a football game, and it's not a lot, mate. You know, it, honestly, it's not a lot. And I'm thinking, Kaika, these guys are so dedicated. They travel everywhere. They they do everything for the team, for the players, and they don't get paid a lot of money. And you you, you think to yourself, could we have done something? So really, what are Arsenal been trying to do for a long time? Reduce their cost base, and this has been just another cycle of that reducing their cost base. I wasn't massively against the play a cup I thought at that time it was the right thing to do no one else has jumped in it yet but what's becoming clear really clear is that the financial landscape going forward is showing some clarity now we understand potentially when we could get people back in the stadiums but that has been delayed um, we know we're probably not going to have full attendance maybe for the whole of next season that's 100 million to Arsenal straight away and so, and on all the commercials that come with that, and just to bring it down to you know, I kept saying at the weekend, you know, I didn't, I wasn't sure about us winning or not, and is Europe really that important this year? Well, I came to a conclusion that it probably was, just for the the well-being of the club. But I think you get around you know, three to four million pounds winning the FA Cup. That's all, and because we qualified for the Europa League, there was a there was a sort of performance-related base. Uh, pay cut wasn't there you got some of it back if you qualify for Europa League and you got all of it back if you qualify for Champions League mm. so you know you know, Arsenal actually lost money at the weekend from a wages perspective because they have to give back around 12 million or 11 million back to the players
1: I mean they, they, they gained some by obviously qualifying for um
2: and they gained, mm-hmm. they gained some quite a fine few, which I think we made around 30 million the year before, 30 to 40 million. So mm-hmm. we're probably about 20 million up. Let's just say we're 20 million up. 20 million in this environment isn't a lot of money. It's, it's better than nothing. But let's keep it in perspective. It's not the 80 million we would get in the Champions League. And so things are incredibly tight. And it's, and it's, a, it's a real shame because a lot of those people who work at the club, their roles are just not there. Hence the term redundancy you get made redundant when there is no job for you is you know what I mean and it's like and so it's very difficult it's very difficult to <laughs> I, I could ask that. you why
1: a scout no longer has a job to do but we'll get to that in the next segment <laughs> yeah oh,
2: well well then then there's the other there's a the flip side to this coin so I'm giving one side right, my business mm-hmm. side yeah the flip side to this coin you can use events to restructure and hide bad news right? You can use this COVID event to say, well, you know what, I want to restructure the club anyway. This is an opportunity to do it. Let's do it. And let's rebuilding another way. And that's why I'm holding my my real feelings because I want to know what's going to happen next. Which obviously you can't divulge on the same day. And you've given people notice they're going to be going through a redundancy process. Some of these people may have to reapply for their jobs and they in a, in a different gauge. Mm. Some of these people are just done. They're gone. Right. So. You'll be interested to see how this flushes out, what messages come out. You'll see when you started the pod earlier, you know, I had this warm glow running through me for a few days, and that's <laughs> suddenly gone again, isn't it? It's yeah. just gone. And we're back in uh, we're back in a situation where we feel small again, while everyone else seems to be trucking along, and we're watching Manchester United work out their payment scheme for Jaden Sancho uh, with God knows what how much that's going to cost. Well, we're it's just ninety million pounds. Scout. Come on, yeah. trap in the bucket. <laughs> yeah, well, we're getting rid of scouts and masseuses and commercial people and people look after executive boxes. Probably getting rid of those people because there's no there's no flow coming through there. You know, people that show people to their to their boxes, for example. I mean, we're not talking about things going to make a massive difference to our bottom line. And, and can I just it point just one shows. thing out,
1: Clive, too, just real quick because you you referenced you know people like ushers and you know people that show people to their um to their seats and things. I actually, you would know better than I would. I would think most of those types of employees are contracted on match day type thing, you know, like temporary work type people who, who have a contract to show up on match day. I doubt they, 55 people made redundant. That's salaried. Workers; Those are people who are full-time employees of the club. So I I would doubt... I mean, I'm sure there are lots more people who will not be getting income from the club who are used to it. You know, contractors, vendors, ushers, things like that. That I understand. There's no job for them to do, but I'd be willing to bet these are more uh, stable, full-time employment-type people.
2: Yeah, you'd you'd think so. And, of course, we get the headlines of the the key scouts that we know with the the names that we remember. And so people then think it's going to be those type of people. So I, I think it's... Hey, look, mate, this first initial feeling, I think it's really sad. Mm-hmm. Um, it's right it's a shame. Yep. Mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think it makes us feel strong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't mind. It's funny how we suddenly become really um, cost conscious. Where were we when we were giving that contract out to Mesa? I was aware of these same people. A lot of them are staying in the club and we still did it. So now we, I think we're reaping the rewards on. We're reaping the actions of that, of that action, and I think it's not just that action, but there are many people within the club, particularly on the playing side, which we'd agree, are overpaid. That's just, that's not me saying, oh, these footballers get paid too much money. They don't do a real job. You know, if you just look at the market, look what's going on in other clubs, look at going on with clubs in our sort of competitive landscape, we overpay. We overpaid for mediocrity, and that's why we can't get rid of these guys, right? They hang around. So, And I think it's a shame because we messed up on the playing side. And now the people that live and breathe the club on a daily basis um, and are fortunate enough to work for the club that they love, have lost their jobs.
1: Yeah, and so I do want to start to get into the, the, the footballing part of this, but I mean, we had a pretty heated exchange as we sometimes do when I am wrong Um, (laughs) on the pod, when the wage cut was announced, Mm. I felt very strongly that what we were basically doing was letting the players be the fall guy for the owner, passing the asset owner's risk onto the employees, in that case, the players and that the players were right to have questions about how those resources would be allocated and it looks like Stan played a blinder here. He got the 12 point five percent back from the players. He's now letting fifty five people go anyway, and rightly or wrongly, the other clubs did not do this. You saw Spurs took out a huge loan at low interest to help you know keep their operation running. The fact is, I said at that time, Clive, and I reiterate, there are many ways that KSE can access the capital needed to operate Arsenal during this period of risk and reduced revenue. One way is cutting costs. There's only so deep a cut you can make. So it looks heartless to me to make these kinds of cuts when weighed against how they really impact the bottom line and the operating expenses. I'm not an accountant. I'm not smart enough to know if I'm right about that. But I do know that in this credit environment, where credit is cheap and easy, that there are other ways KSE can fund the operation. Now I tweeted something incredibly intellectually dishonest, which I deleted. Uh, Matt giant gunner pointed it out to me and he's absolutely right to do so saying that, you know, Kroenke's fortune has actually increased during COVID. That's intellectually dishonest because the fact is yes, Kroenke's Walmart holdings are worth more, which is, you know, he's married to uh, one of the Waltons, Mm -hmm. but he has a lot of exposure to a tremendous amount of risk, uh, in this environment he owns real estate which is depreciating commercial real estate like strip malls in the u.s and stuff which is massively depreciating in value his stadium in la is a quagmire you know he's got multi-billions of dollars tied up in that no one can go be in it and seeing as how the u.s is doing such a bang-up job handling the coronavirus situation to begin with we're not getting any closer to people being able to go anywhere publicly so he's really in deep shit he owns a lot of these teams that have a lot of exposure. He owns a lot of real estate that has a lot of exposure. I acknowledge that time's not great for Stan, but as a result, I understand wanting to make cuts. But he's either going to have to sell one of these assets because it just, he cannot have so much risk on his portfolio, or he's going to have to just extend himself. You know, he's going to have to leverage himself. He's going to ta- have to take out debt, and that's it. Yeah. And I mean, The decision to make these cuts, to take the twelve point five percent from the players, to 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 lay off these fifty-five people, I realize that he's not in a great economic situation, but these are decisions weighed against other ways he can encumber the club and encumber, you know, KSE and and pay things off. And he's you know, it's like you look at the loan he made. I was I have to admit, we had Matt on. We talked about the loan he gave the club to pay down the stadium debt early. And that looked like a good thing for the club. And it is a good thing for the club. It frees up cash. But let's make no mistake, he gave himself, he, he gave the club a loan. He gets paid back with interest, on all the interest. He will get made whole on that. So he actually yeah. comes out ahead. So I, again, I don't want to make Stan the boogeyman because I—that's that's a facile way of looking at it. But these kinds of decisions, it's hard to get behind them. I had a hard time getting behind what he did with the players. And people accuse me, you know, how are you going to side with millionaires? I understand that. But I have a hard time defending this either for the same reasons he has other ways to run the club through this downturn. And by the way, Clive, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion there'll be no fans in the stands for this upcoming season. I think there are plans in place to try to put some fans back in the stands. Maybe that's incredibly naive and and optimistic, but I didn't even think Project Restart would make it all the way through, and it did really with no incident. So, you know, maybe there will be fans in the stands, and maybe the foreign demand for the sport will be good. I can tell you this much. There, there, There may not be a hell of a lot of live sports in the U.S. in the fall, the way things are going here. And the demand for the Premier League may increase. And there may be other commercial opportunities associated with that. I'm not trying to paint a rosier picture than it is, but I also think that the the bleakness of the picture is unclear. So I'll give you a final word on that because I've, I've gone on a long time here. I just, I think that these are, there's always costs and benefits being weighed. And I think with the moves that have been made by KSE during this period, they have opted for to use leverage. I mean, I let's put it this way, Clive. If they had laid off those 55 people the day before they announced the 12.5%, they wouldn't have gotten their 12.5%. You know what I'm saying? This this no. is calculated. This is, let's get that 12.5%, let's go win the FA Cup, make it into Europe, and then when everybody's feeling good, we announce the layoffs and people hopefully don't draw a line straight between the 12.5% and the layoffs. Because I believe it was sold to the players and, and Arteta was manipulated in my opinion a little bit was was sort of told hey we all have to pull together we all have to help the club this helps you know other people stay employed and they don't have to make cuts if we do this and and it didn't work out that way so before we get into the la- letting go of scouts and what that all means and and how that ties into what we're going to discuss with William do you have a sort of final thought on the appropriateness of these moves vis-a-vis maybe other ways that, that KSE can manage the club through this period. And I, I do think it's interesting that it's Raul and Vinay's name on this statement because, granted, they run the club on a day-to-day basis, but these decisions are not made at their level. There is simply no way they are being given the authority to manage the club through the crisis. I'm sure they were told they had to have some red ink on their paper, and this is where it went.
2: Well, you know, if I'm going to get into a major discussion on, on football, I'm happy to have it, right? So I can only tell you how I feel when it comes to financials, because that's not my thing. I could add. A Nor mine, to piece. be fair. <laughs> I could add a further piece that, you know, when they've restructured a the loan, that loan has now dropped onto KSE UK, of which Arsenal is the only asset of KSE UK. That debt is now seven hundred and fifty million. Mm-hmm. How much is that is, is going to be laid on the club? Not so sure. Yeah, that's not really clear. Stepping outside my lane here, but you can see the worst case scenario there. Suddenly we have a much larger debt over much better repayments, but still a larger debt when we were about three, four, I don't know, 140 million away from paying off. That's
1: exactly what it is, Clive. I mean, that's exactly yeah. what it is. It's just, it's just stretched out the payment period and lowered the monthly payments and reduced the requirement to have cash on hand on on deposit. There'll be a payment holiday for a year or two during COVID, but that's exactly so, what's been
2: done. And so the 500 million that Stan used to buy the shares, are we going to have to wear that cost as well? I mean, there are people who are better qualified than me to really say, where well, that's going to go. I'm not going to make those assumptions, but it's there in black and white that the worst case scenario could be and so you just hope that people are behaving appropriately and behaving with honor and um you know the couple of million they're going to save from these from these jobs it just makes you wonder what's the motivation for doing it you know i will say and i and I will say this i don't think Arsenal will be the only club in the world to do this going forward i don't i think you know, with the football's ending, people are going to be starting to look at themselves, look at how they're operating, look at the revenues that are coming in.
1: They're not going to have a choice. It's Small, start. Smaller clubs won't have a choice, club because they won't yeah. have a, a global conglomerate with access to billions of dollars of capital to fund them.
2: It's going to have to be some form of restructuring, and we've been so focused on the games every three days that we've almost had this little bit of an oasis in our mind that the real world is not really happening. It's the same for most of us. We, UK in particular, there were lots of people on furlough, that's coming to an end the period when the employees are going to have to contribute to the cost is coming really quickly and reality is going to strike Right, so reality is going to strike with football but it seems to be the also at the front of the the front of the queue when it comes to making cutbacks, but not at the front of the queue when it comes to investing in expensive 23 year olds, do you know what I mean? that belong to another agent so it's, it is a little bit concerning, this the the mood music. Um, I mean, It's a shame, really, because I was so positive a couple of days ago, really positive. So I'm looking, you know, like I said to you before we started the podcast, there's a, there's a 10.30 embargo in the, in the press today, and I expect that full picture to come out tonight and to come out in the next couple of days, and the positioning is going to happen, and the... The context is going to happen. So at this moment in time. I can only tell you how my gut feels. My gut feels really sad, a little bit concerned. But there are many more cards to play. And it's going to be interesting to see what we look like. What we look like from a structural point of view. What we look like from an additional coaching point of view. Because I think there will be coaches coming in. And what we look like from a squad point of view. I think everything is going to change. We're just going through another phase of change and COVID is the protective state in the umbrella to allow them to do something maybe a bit more aggressively than they were planning to do the whole time along.
1: And look, I know the world doesn't work this way, but it's hard not to look at some of the cozy deals we've done with a certain agent or two recently and the extra million here, a million there that spills out of the bucket in their favor and say that's the entirety of the 55 people we just laid off. You know what I mean yeah. um yeah, yeah. and i I realize the world doesn't know so it's work that a
2: valid way, challenge it's a valid challenge you can't help but say that you don't know if it's yeah. true, but it's a valid debate that not just us will arrive at that conclusion
1: yeah because I mean it's all well and good talking about fiscal responsibility, but if you have cozy relationships where you're throwing a few extra million dollars around million pounds around pardon me to you know to help a guy who gets you another player, whatever the case may be you have these cozy relationships well if that had been managed a little more strictly and a little more effectively maybe you don't have to make these kind of cuts but but let's get to the footballing side of it because while we we feel for the people who will be made redundant and that is a very serious issue the issue that we're obviously more sort of interested in in the sense of like we can debate it and it, it's you know it's something that's more within our purview is is the footballing side of it and so I believe there's two scouts in particular that were let go I think McDermott is that one of them and yeah, Brian, K- Dermot, Brian McDermott. Ex, and, um, and, I think he's a and reading
2: manager. Yeah.
1: Yep, and and Brian Francis, an
2: ex Arsenal player. Used to have long hair. Mm-hmm. Now I've got no hair, much like myself. And was a, <laughs> was, a, was, a was a was a bright winger in the, in Geordie the Armstrong mould. And um, yeah, he's been a long time Arsenal employee, fan, coach, scout. You know, he's been in the background there for quite a while, but they did spend a lot of time at Reading. So yeah, he's a really good guy. It's a shame if he's been let go.
1: Yeah, and and I mean, I, there are a lot of people. I I don't pretend to know the scout situation as well as some. There are, there are some devotees, especially on the, the the Patreon Discord of Francis, who adore him. Uh, carrier pigeon being one of them. That's that's <laughs> not. It's not an actual carrier pigeon, but it's just a person who's handles carrier pigeon. But you know, I mean, he found. Fabregas and Bellerin and pre- presumably, I think, Martinelli. And there was some rumor that Saliba was someone he was on to. So, like, I mean, he, he's a guy who has a good track record. He's been there 20 years. Clive, I, do you... Does it turn your head a little bit when scouts, especially a longtime scout like this, gets to let go? I mean, I, I'm of two minds only in the sense that, like, look, when new people come in to run an organization, and Raul is still relatively new and Edu is, is quite new, they want their people. And sometimes their vision doesn't connect with the vision of the the previous people. So that's, that's not unheard of. And you have to accept there's going to be turnover. But at a time when the... I won't say the facts, but, but at a time when the narrative is certainly that Raul just wants to use his Rolodex and do relationship-based recruitment and, and ignore scouting and ignore analytics, it is really hard to defend the contrary uh, position to that when Rosenfels goes, and Sven goes, and kajigao goes, and, and McDermott goes. And again, I'm not saying all those guys were valuable. I'm not saying all those guys were good. I'm just saying, you know, there's this Occam's razor, right? Absent any other information, the most obvious thing is is probably true. And whether they were good, bad, or otherwise, when your lead scout and your sub-scouts and your anal- the head of your analytics department all go in a calendar year at a time when it does appear that the recruitment strategy is shifting towards a more cozy relationship with agents, it's hard not to presume that we've shifted to a more cozy relationship with agents. Now, We've done some pretty good business in the last couple of years. I mean, Martinelli, Guendouzi obviously didn't work out, but, you know, Guendouzi was good signing. Martinelli, the Saliba deal, the, the Tierney deal is fantastic. Pepe, you know, was a hard deal to get done. We got it done starting to look like maybe, just maybe it'll be a good one. There's some head scratchers as well. Cedric, if this William thing comes off, we'll talk about that. But so, how concerned are you when looking at all of these moves, the latest ones in connection with what's happened that Arsenal are moving away from what we might consider a more modern, progressive approach to squad building, and towards more of this, you know, relationship-based agent coziness model.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm suspicious now, uh, more suspicious than I was. Um, I suppose when you're when you're making these sort of moves in the club and you're trimming things down, you're restructuring, you say, okay, I'm with you. Then I look at the other side of the ledger, and I look at, you know, I'm not saying Williams is a bad player. But I then look at what we're doing there and I think, okay, is that really what you want to be doing? Not sure. It depends on the length of the contract. And it also depends on the exit plan. You have to think about this really in a different way. We can get a player in, then we say, okay, we might give you a two plus one contract, one year option the third year. But on that second year, we expect you to be in Qatar or we expect you to be here and the exit plan is going to be here and we want you to, you know, bring a, another Kia client like Jolson Fernandez through, for example, help support him on the left-hand side. We bind him at 17. By the time you go, he'll be 20, 19, 20. And that's a strategy. Makes sense. Needs to work, right? Needs to make sure we, we're not in an Ozil situation I hear that Arsenal sort offered really, an a a lot of ways you can get elsewhere, but it, it works for him the structure, the strategy, and the location, etc. So when you see that, I want to believe the good side of it. Then we get the news like today, and then you think to yourself, oh, I'm not, I'm just really not so sure anymore. But what I will say is that me, as well as many other people, has wanted change, structural change, different layers in the in the club. I want to change. I'm not going to sit here and say for the last 20 years we have been tip top when it comes to scouting. We could make a complete podcast on its own on the players that we missed because we didn't move quickly enough. never no, didn't scout appropriately, made bad decisions on scouting, for example, weren't listened to certain scouts. I'm sure it happens at every club, but boy, it happens to our club more than many others. We are lumpy and clunky, have terrible agent relationships, terrible scouting execution, terrible chief executives... And that's why we got players and mediocrity on high wages because we just thought we might as well keep them going. And that's why Karen Chambers is on semi grand a week. Right? And it's been there since 2013. You know, that's just right. Rubbish. Right? So we need to fix that sort of stuff. Right? So so I'm not sitting there saying, oh, I don't, I don't I'm not, I've got suspicious about what we're doing now. I'm not going to sit here rose glass and say what we were doing before was perfect either because mm. it wasn't. It, was, it had failings. Now, we've got our own data company. You wouldn't guess it, would you? You wouldn't guess it from some decisions that we make. And We were the first ones over the hill on that. Your own proprietary data, you wouldn't know it by the mm. way we operate, by the way we play, by the way we scout, by the way we scout other teams. You would never guess it. It took until this manager to come along that we believe in the structure of the football team and the players and the coach and what they're saying to the players. And we don't know. Another thing to just put into your back pocket Maybe Arteta wants a fresh change. Maybe he wants different people around him. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm not saying that's the case. We're going through change. And change isn't nice and it isn't smooth. And if it was, you know, (laughs) people wouldn't do it, right? It's it's not nice. It's going to be casualties. It's going to be people impacted. But we want to see the plus side. We want to see us competing. with. I'm not saying we're ready Mm. for that yet, but we want to see. Would clubs like Bayern Munich be excited? We can do yeah, things that would wanna, excite you? We want to <laughs> get to a point when a, a London boy like Jaden Sancho is not thinking about Man United. You see what I mean? That's what we've got to be thinking about. We've got to think, get to a point when Joe Gomez is not running up the road for three million quid from Charlton to go and play for Liverpool. Yeah, we're okay. not in shape. We're not in shape as a club. We're not being run as a club. Well, You know, we, we missed out and we missed out on Raheem. So I, could, I could go on and on and on about the things we've done wrong in the past. Let's not pretend what we did in the past was perfect because he wasn't
1: well that's true i don't think anyone expects perfection by the way i mean I, I think i would just like to know that there's a coherent competent strategy and that doesn't mean you can never rely on agents and relationships because you have to but I, especially on a limited budget i think you'd have to agree no matter how much you are wedded to a viewpoint that having some analytics driven scouting driven recruitment that helps you find some targets that are a little more under the radar that you know fit a need that help you build a squad piece by piece in a way that fits your resources like that that's all part of it it all works together i mean being being dogmatic about any one approach is probably not right but we can also look at the teams that succeed the clubs that thrive especially the clubs that thrive in a model that more closely resembles ours and we see the way they do it and it's instructive now look There's two ways you can look at any story. One is self-interest. People losing their job tend to have a very specific perspective on why they've lost their job. Or you can say, where there's smoke, there's fire. So when Sven loses his job and when Rosenfels leaves and when Kajigal loses his job, of course, what people write is, rumor has it that they were disgruntled with Raul as agent-focused and relationship-focused recruitment continues to be a growing influence at the club. Okay, it's an easy story to sell when you're getting rid of scouts and analytics guys and it's an easy story for those people to sell because they're disgruntled and they don't like it. So you, you have to take it with a grain of salt but by by the other token, I think, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. You can't get rid of all of these people at a time when we're looking to sign someone like Willian at thirty, about to be 32 years old to a three-year contract and not at least tilt your head to one side and say, are we sure we're not just becoming a you know a a breeding ground for questionable transactions between interested parties so let's move into the willian thing then clive and say um we all love signings we all love signings we all we all love signings and especially when it's a name we know and we can talk ourselves into all of them god knows i've been in these arguments i've been in the wars i I served in the cedric war i did served in that war um so serve in the willian war with me Fight side-by-side side with me. Help me understand why a soon-to-be 32-year-old winger who plays predominantly on the side of our 72-million-pound winger and several of our uh, young academy talents, why this three- to four-year deal for this guy who happens, just happens, and it's only a coincidence, and there's nothing more to it than that happens to be a Kia Jirabchian client, why this is okay and why we should be happy about it.
2: Well, oh dear. I'm gonna give you a view. I'll not say it's my view, but I'll just give you a view. Um, <laughs> I
1: I would take anything I can cling to at this no. moment, my friend.
2: Thank you. Um if you look if you look at our squad, right? There's a great graphic out there at the moment doing the rounds and it's about the the experience of the squad, right? So mm-hmm. you know, I know James has done something similar on the athletic historically, but there's one that's out there at the moment, the age profile. And the experienced players in our squad which beyond peak is are Barry Young, Socrates, Erza and Louise. And then you've got, in peak years, you've got Leno, Shaka, Lacazette, Kalashnik, Mustafi, right? And everybody else is young. Everybody else, right? Next one is Chambers, right? And everybody else is like under 24 or under, just over 24. And so we have got an incredibly young, inexperienced squad. And when I give you the names of those experienced players, apart from maybe um, a Bamiyang and some people, de- and maybe everyone else is debatable. With People debate Shaka, they debate Lacazette, they debate Klasnik. the last year of his contract. Socrates last year of his contract. David Luiz has got one year in his contract. Ozil's sitting somewhere on the beach looking at the sky. It's just a Bam-Yang. in peak years that we want to stay. When he's above peak years, he's our best player. And so we have this... Mismatch of a squad with the experienced pillars are not good enough or on their way out the door. So if you're looking to keep an Aubameyang, you need to bring in ready-made players that are premiership ready, that really understand what it counts to bridge this team to the next level. And by bridge, I mean really potentially we are heading towards what I call an expensive mentorship scheme. Right, where we have a Willian supporting a Saka, for example, we have Gatinho supporting a, a Smith Rowe. I'm 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 giving a view, Elliot. I'm not saying it's what I would do. I'm giving a view, right? And but if you look at the squad, what what we lack is experience quality. If we can steal that experience quality for a year or so without too much risk and exposure, to bridge us from eighth to fourth. This is a bridging scheme, an experience mentorship scheme. We are in phase one. Phase one is top four. How can I get to top four? How can I build around those key pillars I want to keep? Which isn't many, but Bam Yang is number one. How can I build around those key pillars I want to keep? I have to build new pillars. because It's the experienced players that are fallen off. The Ozzles, the Socrates, mm-hmm. David Luiz has done a case, one-year exposure, Shaka's fine but we know he's got a ceiling. You know, Mustafi, one year to go. Kalashnik, free Trump, so we want to get rid. Lacazette, he should be potentially used to raise funds. And So you, even though in our eyes, in our mind, we want to see the 23-year-olds come in because that's what the spreadsheet says, the squad is telling you we've got to replace some experienced pillars that we no longer believe in, who are no, longer, no longer believe in us, who are collecting wages because we've overpaid them, to take them out. Add the creativity, add the experience, add the now factor to bridge us from fourth. Sorry, from eighth to fourth, and then with the extra revenue, we can go again to the next phase, which I hope is a bit more exciting, a bit more 24, 25 year olds, players that have got a lot, a lot of hunger to really prove themselves, but are really exciting when we see them land in our club. I think the first phase is going to be quite turgid, and you know the fact that they're all coming from one agent. Doesn't fill you with a lot of um, a lot of joy, but if that agent can get some of these dead bodies off of our squad sheet, then we we look at it and say, well, yeah, you've got you you've created an exit plan, you've created room for your client. I'm not seeing no one exiting yet. <laughs> I know it's only a couple of days, so I'm not seeing no one exiting yet because they saying I'm not. I'm seeing people say I'm not going. So we've <clears> got Mustafi, we've got Mustafi sitting there with a torn hamstring. No one's going to buy him right now. Clash in it. no one's gonna I can't see a market for him at the moment. And you I know he's a free transfer. no one wants him. Well no, d- I, I, to be
1: fit to be fair, he's not good at football, so that's that's a problem.
2: Like <laughs> <laughs> Lac- Lacazette, we're seeing rumours of Javennas, so, you know, Athletic can Madrid, it's very tenuous. Um Shaka, there's a there's a project at them early and going on at the moment. But what's the state of that project compared to January compared to now? All projects look different now, don't they? Shaka seems happy. We feel that he's another bridge player. He's got a good contract, so he can bridge us for another year. David Luiz, bridge player. Socrates needs to go. Ozil needs to go. And so to, with those sort of players going, we do need the experienced players to carry these younger players through. And maybe the one signing of a PKH player was going to cost us money. It's a centre midfield pillar that seems going to bit quiet in Thomas Partey to come in. And that's that's where the investment's going to be. And the rest is going to be Loan swaps, free um, transfers just to boost the now factor in the squad.
1: Mm. So, look, I think you'd agree with this. The single best defense of the Willian move is Arteta wants it, right? Like, yeah. if you believe in Arteta and you need to back him, the single best defense of the move is that this guy who we rate, who we believe in, wanted him. Now, unfortunately, I have to argue with myself right there because I don't think that a coach should be given the players he wants. I think that a coach should be given the latitude to say the kinds of positions and kinds of skill sets he needs. And then the people who are in charge of squad building, the director of football. This is why, look, if you didn't want a director of football, if you didn't want all those structures then just keep Arsene Wenger or hire a manager. Don't go through the pains of hiring a head coach. If you, you know, but then you're back in the situation where the coach is, I, I am responsible for these 600 people that work. Here. You know, he- he's-, he's managing wages and he's managing wage bills and he can't just focus on tactics. Just giving a coach the players he wants is ruinous because coaches don't have time horizons that are longer than tomorrow. They have to try to win now. And I understand why they may want someone that feels like a ready-made solution. I, I I struggle to think of how having a... Now, look, I think the rumor was like 130,000 pounds a week, which isn't awful. If he's back up for Pepe on the right... And no, a potential solution, on, well, he's not starting over Pepe, because if he's doing that, I'm driving to the Emirates. Yes, driving through the Atlantic Absolutely. Ocean to the Emirates with a pitchfork, with a burning torch. I'm burning it down and pitchforking the thing. That is absolute, you don't spend 72 million pounds and then play William at 32 years old. You don't do that. It's not what you do.
2: Yeah, so William, if, if I'm buying William, although that I, I am or I would, he's going to play off the left. He's going to play off the left. Well, right, I was, a, be, I was getting
1: to that. I was getting to that. Go, go ahead, go for it, yeah
2: william has got one signature move. His signature move is that he can shift and shoot. And I'm telling you now, you just when he goes from left to right, it's unstoppable, literally unstoppable. He has got great agility, great creativity, great shooting power, just around your favourite zone. Right? He is really, really good, and it's it's a player that Chelsea really want to keep. So unlike the other Chelsea players that we've that we've taken in the past, they've kicked him out the door. This one they actually want to keep. The issue is they don't want to go beyond two years. And we we're prepared to go to three years. I think William would love to stay at Chelsea, honestly.
1: I can't wait to see him in his thirty-five year old season for us. I cannot wait for that. That's gonna be blockbuster.
2: He, he, he won't be here, he just wants his contract, right? He'll be in Qatar, don't worry about that, or all the MLS. But, be. but, but right here, But right now, you know, we're relying on youngsters in that situation. We got Martinelli that's out we've got Saka and Saka for me if we go four three three, he's not going to be playing left wing very often he's going to be playing left number 8 that's where he's going to play and I think he's going to be outstanding in that so he's not blocking Saka we ain't seen Marte till January so we need something and if we are losing Lacazette and we're going to extra, an extra centre forward to, to prepare for the future to future proof us then I can sort of see some sense there you start to bring Coutinho into this, then you start to think, oh, okay, what is going on here? Now, Coutinho's another very good player. Statistically, when he was hot a few years ago, he was very, very hot. So I close my eyes. I remember all those shots going to our top corner. I think that would be exciting. But it just feels a bit risky. It feels risky. Older players, older broken-egg players coming to Arsenal... What a, how are they arriving? What is this, the mission? What are they What are they expecting? The fact, if Arteta wants these people, given the fact he's just given us um, a, a wonderful experience on, on his 28th game of the weekend, we're all sort of bought into that. But there's a bit of me that's really concerned about the direction that we're taking, while understanding, trying to look at the data, trying to look at the reasonings, Understanding that this actually does need to happen. And if I'm thinking what the strategy is, it's a bridge, mate. We're in a bridge situation. We are bridging to the next layer. So those people with long-term thinking, think again, think again. Reduce revenue, 100 million, 140 million pound loss coming next year. How can we bridge the gap to get back to the promised land?
1: It's going to be hella interesting two, three seasons from now when our front line is – 27-year-old Pepe, 33-year-old Aubameyang, and 35-year-old Willian. That's that's going to be a hell of a fun time. I Look, there are a couple of ways you could get me a little more excited about this. If Willian becomes first choice on the left, although I don't know that he's ever been yeah, a regular left-sided player. Is he a regular left-sided left-side. Okay, so if, if well, you Chelsea can talk me into that, right. just hear me out. He
2: can, he can we, play both sides. Let's yeah, say we sell
1: Lacazette and cash in some money on him and the, the plan is to re-sign Aubameyang, which in the squad building pod we'll discuss whether that's even a sensible thing to do, but let's say we do it, and he gets to play central for the first time in his Arsenal career. Yeah. You've talked me into something that I'm really intrigued to see. Aubameyang, Willian, Pepe, feels like a grown-up, balanced front three. It, it is it is very difficult to say we should just play the smith Rose, and the Willocks, and the Nelsons, and the Enquetias, and the uh, Saka's, and the Maitland Niles of the world because we need to develop for the future. But we do need to develop for the future. And I think you can look at this move as a bridge builder. I agree. Look, if it's 130,000 pounds a week and no fee, can we make that work over paying 25 million pounds and the same wages to a guy who just blocks the path for these academy kids? Look, I'm not behind this move. I can sort of manipulate some facts around to get to a position where I can understand it. But Clive, you know, looking at another way, like sometimes you have to stop doing the same thing and expecting different results. You know, they, isn't that, they say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. And like, we keep taking cast off old players from other clubs and it keeps not working out. Pettercheck, I think you'd have to say it didn't work out. Silvestre didn't work out. David Luiz won the FA Cup, so we're all feeling pretty good about it. He's closer to being able to say worked out, but let's face it, he cost us a lot of points in the league this season. Um, I don't know that you could say that worked out. Um, You know, I mean, we've done this a lot, and it never really seems to work out. And I, I think the problem, Clive, is not just doing this. It's not just taking a guy on pretty significant wages at a position that isn't really a priority from a guy who happens, you know, from Kia, so that has to factor into the discussion here, and why did we target this guy? And if it is an Arteta decision, that makes me feel a little better, only in the sense that, like, it's not purely Raul and Kia getting together and chumming it up and doing it, but, like, Clive, there is the very real scenario, situation that father time is undefeated. Father time is undefeated. We think, let's get Willian, and we will just have Willian, but we are getting 32-year-old Willian. Like, Manchester United just did everything in their power to, Pay someone to take Alexis Sanchez off their hands, and he's not that old because he just fell apart. Now, look, you could say you saw that coming with Alexis because he never had a break and he had to play football nonstop for years and years and years. But, like, do you see my point? Like, it's not just the coziness of the deal and the Chelsea cast off, it's the age. The age is the problem. Like, we're talking about owning him into his 32, 33, 34 year old seasons. He'll be 35 when he leaves the club potentially. Like, that expecting the output from him that has traditionally been associated with his game, I think is not realistic.
2: Yeah. Well, we're in a situation where we have to be creative. I'm, I'm giving, look, hey, look, I wouldn't do this in normal circumstances. Right. So you're talking to me in a way which you're thinking I'm trying to defend you. I'm giving, right? so,
1: just to be clear, because I, I gave you a couple reasons why I could justify this too. I'm saying like, I think where it all starts to break down is when you really zero in on the age, like,
2: there yeah, is I'm, a I'm, chance I'm, I'm, I'm he hits a cliff in
1: this contract, you know, just cliff.
2: I'm absolutely aware of that, right? So but the situation seems to be in this current financial environment that we're looking for creative ways to get two experienced players in, in Coutinho and William. Right? So at zero outlay, zero transfer fee. Right. So this is where we are. It doesn't feel great. If we do buy a twenty-two-year-old left-footed centre-half to play with Saliba for the next five to ten years, then mm, it looks different. You well, know, then we won't you have to score a...
1: goals anyway because we'll never concede
0: ever again.
2: So that's, <laughs> that's the most important thing. If we do get that extra centre-half in, if we do buy a centre midfield pillar, and we have to say, well, that's where we spend, but we know what at the top end we need creativity, we need some now factor. When I see the whole plan, I'll be able. I'll be able to say, I don't like it. I'd. But you know what? Someone like William doesn't really block the youngsters. Someone like Zaha blocks the youngsters because he's in his peak years and he would expect to be playing all of the time. Someone like William doesn't block the youngsters. He supplements the youngsters. He takes games off. He comes off. He creates the youngsters. He mentors the youngsters. Do you see what I mean? Mm -hmm. So there's two ways to look at this. They say, well, you know what? We can invest in our younger players by giving them an older player to play with and to, to actually make sure they develop with. So I'm just giving that scenario. There's a plan here that's not fully transparent yet. I don't like the opaqueness that the cronkeys have bought, you know, and by buying everything. And the strategy is no, it's becoming more opaque, but in a, in, a, in a way where we don't like, given the cozy relationships. And it just makes me feel, you know, I have this feeling, and I've I used the words before, you'll recognize them when I say them again, I feel Arthur are vulnerable to opportunists. And I felt that for a while. And the person that makes me think, well, you know what? That's changing is the manager and the coach. So if he's behind these moves, I'm more comfortable than I would be normally. I've got a lot of respect for him. But I cannot get away from the feeling that we are vulnerable to opportunists around the club. And unless they start doing their jobs to make me trust them more and make other people trust them more. And that's not just buying, that is selling as well. That is creating room, that is reducing our cost of our wage bill. Don't be getting rid of masseuses and chefs when you've got players you can't be bothered to find a home for who are just scooping money up and you're not doing anything about it. Mm. You know, do your job on both sides of the, of the ledger. Don't do just one side.
1: Yeah, and look, I I want to be clear. Like, I try, and I, I know I know people don't always believe believe this i try not to lean into my biases because we all have them and confirmation bias is a hell of a drug it's a real thing i try not to lean into them clive so i try to look at opposing views and so you know like with the William thing maybe it helps us get obamiang central and he plays on the left and there's no fee and if it's 130 a week it's not that awful because the left is actually a place where we don't have something and so it lets saka play there a little bit but also we can play that that in that eight that you've been talking about, that left-sided eight. And so, I mean, I you know, I, I get this. Believe me, I get this. And and he's someone who's positionally very intelligent and works hard off the ball as well, which I think is really important in Arteta. And maybe it's not just a Kia Raul thing because Arteta seems to want it. Like, I try to look at that. But I think, you know, you do have to ignore a lot of evidence, too, when you make these opposing views and and that's all it is it's just about trying to put all the evidence together and paint a picture and when you fire the head scout and you fire the next scout and you fire the next scout and the main guy who runs your data uh, company leaves and heading out the door sort of says he felt that they were being marginalized like that speaks to something you know and and I mean, I don't want to make it sound like Raul and Vina and these guys are just totally incompetent. Don't know what they're doing. The only thing they do is call Kia Drabchin on speed dial and like get his clients. But like also, you know, when you do sign a guy like Cedric, and when you do sign a guy like Louise, and when you do sign a guy like like um uh uh Willian, it just smacks of a lack of creativity, I guess is what I'm saying. Clive, it's a huge yeah. universe of players out there. Players of yeah. all ages and prices and varieties. And so when you wind up with like Southampton's aging Portuguese right back in Cedric, and Chelsea's aging Portuguese Brazilian uh, uh, right winger, left winger, and you wind up with Chelsea's aging Brazilian center back, and they all sort of have a chummy relationship with the club. I, I it's hard not to lean into my biases because that's if it's not bias, then it is just an incredible, stunning lack of creativity in finding solutions in the market. If that. If those are the best guys, you know what I'm saying, Clive? Like, I'm I'm, yeah. I'm trying to make sense here to, to say that I'm not just trying to be biased. But I look at these moves and I say, you had the whole world of football out there. And these were the solutions. Now, in defense, again, there's always a flip side. You know, Martinelli was an interesting, creative solution. And, and he, I mean, granted, he was just a, a punt on a young kid. but And that was a kajigau guy, but never mind that. Saliba, you know, there, there have been other good moves. Tierney's a great move. So I don't want to make it sound like it's just these cozy, lazy moves, but those ones, it's hard not to look at them and, and just feel there are more efficient, interesting ways to solve the problem in, in the squad.
2: Yeah, it feels a bit it feels a bit West Ham, doesn't it? You know, we chuck our own. Yeah, to West Ham. here's a
1: Jack Wilshire, an agent um, Jack Wilshire and you know like, it, Everton. And Everton's Am another and Everton. club that loves a
2: loves a washed up player. <laughs> it feels a bit West Ham and Everton at the moment. I uh, hope we're not turning into to Chelsea's West Ham. You know I don't I don't want to be that club, Mm-mm. but we're in a situation at the moment, and there needs to be a there needs to be a level of realism. And people say, well God they can just give us money and and they could they give us money and they could shortcut this because I want to see the whole plan. I want to see this story develop what you're saying in it. my heart says that you're absolutely right every word, but my natural inclination is always to sort of like hope that's not true because I don't want to be supporting a shower of rubbish. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I want to be supporting a forward-thinking club. I don't want to be the club that's always the first with the cost-cutting measures. We you want to spend money. We're the last one to do it. Right? We're the ones talking FFP, and we end up blowing it because we've a huge cash balance at a time. Everyone else is expanding, and we're sitting here now wanting to expand and we've got the money to do it. There's been some terrible decisions taken historically, and if, I mean, with that sort of history behind you, you can't help but be suspicious about where we are right now. We are vulnerable, every every club's vulnerable, but we seem to be vulnerable to a close-knit set of people and they have to do their work. They have to do their work because I guarantee you my Twitter feed is lighting up and it will light up into the evening and they have to do their work because yeah. the Arsenal world is watching very closely.
1: And look, you just have to look at Chelsea, the team that Williams coming from. Pulisic will be 22 this season. Kai Havertz will be 22 this season. Timo Werner will be 24 most of this season. They're getting rid of the 31, 32 year old. You know, they're they're not solving their problems with yeah. the Williams and the Louises of the world. They're going out and they're getting guys and pre. And I, I get it. They're spending money we don't have to spend. So I, that's not yeah. my point. My point is just I will, I you look at a Liverpool people, or you look
2: at a Chelsea or you you know you look at those clubs and let's talk about let's talk about Chelsea Liverpool. Mm-hmm. The classic example. So Chelsea. In the last sort of five years or so have actually had, well, over the last sort of 10 years or so, have actually had a 1.5 billion interest free loan from their owner. Uh, so that's the money he's put into the club. Before he's even talking about the ground, et cetera. Not a Chelsea fan, no. the dog? <laughs> <laughs> Something's come to the door, sorry. No, it's fine. Um, a 1.5 billion pound injection. So we have, to, we have to compete with that. And we do. We beat them at the weekend. Yeah. Let's, by the way, uh,
1: let, n- never, never let that be forgotten. We did win the FA Cup just three, four days ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry.
2: So I know you, you're trying to mute there to get the dog quiet. But yeah, just keep yeah, going. Yeah.
1: The, the dog is a charming part of the podcast.
2: Fine. fine. So a 1.5 billion pound loan. And then you look at that and you think, well, we have to compete with that. We have to. And it's frustrating. It's frustrating seeing them walk off with um, the trophies. It's frustrating them what watching them. I mean, yeah, like we with a goalkeeper that we should have had in Check playing for us and we have players that we, that we really wanted that chose them like Mata for example and they win the European Cup something that we've all wanted to see we've not managed to see it, and they've gone to the leagues four or five times it's incredibly frustrating because the level of investment that they've had above and beyond what we've had and we have to suck that up and then there's Liverpool way and I'm reading today at Liverpool looking at a left back called Jamal Lewis who I know very well mm-hmm. and the way they're scouting him, is really smart. He's a young British player. He's got Northern Irish heritage. But his number one skill set. He's playing the noise defence, which can see a lot of goals going backwards. But going forwards, carrying the ball, his carry forwards metrics are tremendous. He used to be a winger as a youngster, so he can carry the ball and, he can run, and he's going to be brought in as Robertsons. Understudy, what does Robertson do? They switch play and he carries the ball, wits the ball in. They're buying a player for a specific role. They're ahead of us. They are ahead of us. Now, we don't even know the shape we're going to play next year. We don't. Mm. We've had two patch-up shapes so far, 43-1 to hide certain players. We had injuries, then we had a three-at-the-back system to hide other players. So right now, we don't know what we're going to look like. Let's not get too heavy on the critique of the players that we're signing because we don't even know our shape. When we see our shape... We will be able to then decide are these the right buyers or not? When we see the entries going out the door, sorry, the exits going out the door, we'll have even more clarity about that. I'm trying to hold my fervour. I'm trying to hold it back. I'm trying to, while suspecting and worried about our vulnerability as a club, mm. hoping there's some oversight within the club. They hired a the new director that came from Clifford Chance into our club the other day. I can't remember his name now, something I Lewis maybe. I'm hoping that he was going to come into the club. Tim Lewis, that's his name. Mm-hmm. hope he's going to come into the club and offer some sort of oversight and financial advice. Well, he's been there a little while, and the first thing he's done is chop 55 people, right? So we're changing. We're restructuring. Things are happening. The story's not complete yet. But my gut is nervous. My gut is worried but the plan is not revealed, and I'm 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 gonna kind of hang in there for a little bit longer before I absolutely hit the hammer.
1: Sure, you know what's hard, Clive? Is it like whenever you evaluate this stuff, the real way to evaluate is a longer time horizon. But it's hard because you can't say, "Well, let's podcast in three years and see if this worked out." <laughs> you know, like because yeah, the yeah. problem is you're constantly evaluating in the moment, and unfortunately, these kinds of moves are moves that you can't evaluate right when they happen. You can say what you think about them, but you can only see... Look, three seasons from now, Clive, Mikel Arteta should be coaching an Arsenal that is in the hunt for a title and in the Champions League if the project is going the right direction. If he's not, the project will have failed. And it may have failed because scouts got it wrong. It may have failed because we... Paid a lot to agents to get us the wrong solutions and invested a lot of money in overage players. Unfortunately, we won't know that until that time. So right now, all we are doing is speculating that we're on the wrong path, but we could easily be proven wrong about that. Um,
2: yeah. So I mean, if you, you know, if we you need time to evaluate.
1: It'll take time before we know for you, sure that this was wrong or right.
2: Absolutely. So, for example, just say for example, Urzel's on eighteen million a year. We manage to give him eight million, and someone takes the ten million, and he's away, he's gone. And then we bring in William. He's better than Ozil, right? He's more effective. He's numbers or Well, are if way he above.
1: steps foot on the pitch, he's more effective yeah. than Ozil because But then we look at it completely different. But by the way, Ozil's still here. He's still here. Ozil's
2: still here, exactly. <laughs> this is what I keep talking about. There's two sides to this ledger. Do you see what I mean? We have to focus on the exits to create room for the for the people coming in. So if I say that to you, then you think, oh well, Coutinho, you know, if we get rid of Socrates, Mustafi, and um, and Erzil, and we bring in Coutinho and William, well, we're, we're actually up, right? Depending on what we have to pay them to go. So then you start to look at it in a different way. It looks more efficient. It looks like okay, we 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 can't afford to be too inexperienced. So we have to replace experience with better experience and don't find ourselves in a contractual situation which is damaging. And so the the offer was on the table for William before COVID is way lower post-COVID. They may have had an extra year on the contract for so £110,000 a week to make it three years rather than a big number for two years and a big signing on fee. So they've reduced that. It's up to him if he wants to take it or not. Do you want to go to US or do you want to go to other clubs that are looking at him? So... That's his choice. There it is. Again, how does it look alongside the 55 people that have gone? Doesn't look great. How does it look alongside us or take his money? Doesn't look great. The story's not fully unfolded.
1: Yeah. Well, let's leave it there. I I think it is understandably a day of concern and confusion about what the direction is. And it is a day for leaning into biases. I, I confess that. And I do think that in modern football, you need scouts and you need analytics people to help you find efficiencies in the market, find assets that maybe other clubs aren't as focused on. That you need to be able to scour the massive pool of talent now with football being so big all over the world and talent being everywhere. You know, you need to find those diamonds in the rough that once upon a time were easier to find. That Arsene Wenger made a living finding. You know, just ask about someone like colo torre right but like we we don't know for sure that we're not doing that i think it's we have to be careful about not leaning into those biases but i it is a hard day and a, a sad day for people who are being made redundant and a hard day not to lean into some of the concerns we have about the club i will do my best to temper that reaction but i have to admit clive that my my instinct my my antenna are up and, and suggest that something is wrong. But to be fair, those antenna always get a very strong signal.
2: But your antenna's not often wrong, really. So mm-hmm. I always I always take the calm of you, right? That's why we podcast together. Right? I always <laughs> breathe for a little while and see what's going to happen. And there's a young Brazilian antenna half that we're looking at that I'm really excited about from Neil. Again, if that was to happen, you can see a back four developing for years to come with, mm-hmm. of the right ages. Right. So that's exciting if that was to happen. And that's linked to Eddie, for example, another top Brazilian player. So I just want to see this develop. I, I want to believe in these guys. I don't want to believe that they're doing things unscrupulously because of cozy relationships and our club is financially vulnerable. I don't want to believe that, even though earlier really it's hard not to ignore the uh, the smoke signals.
1: Okay, well, let's leave it there. Uh, tomorrow, for patrons, we'll have a squad-building pod. Uh, Ted Knutson from Statsbomb, the founder of Statsbomb, will be on, which is exciting. Mohammed will have some scouting, uh, some players he scouted. Last summer, he he did a scouting pod and came up with some interesting names. Saliba, before we were linked with him. Sangare, um, uh, Nkunku. Uh, uh, that
2: was another uh, miss.
1: <laughs> Angelino. T- t- uh, there was another one. So so he, he's really good at, at, at tracking these guys down. So, um, so let's... Uh, Let's look forward to that. that. That'll be available for patrons tomorrow. And uh, Scott will be on that. Clive will be on that. It'll be, be a good pod. So uh, if you want to sign up and listen to that, you certainly can. But we'll have, obviously, more of this fantastic uh, moaning into a microphone for free stuff available as well. So uh, Clive's on Twitter, Clive PFC. Thanks, Clive. Thank you very much. We're going to take a break. Scott's still coming up. So uh, we went longer than we expected here, but Scott's coming up. So stay with us. Uh, Scott will be on after the break. Uh, stay with us. Uh, yeah, I said that part. You know what? Just listen to this music break. we will be right back. I uh, went a full hour with Clive. wasn't expecting that, so probably should just end the podcast. But since I said that Scott was going to be on, I guess we should just have Scott on. So you can find Scott on Twitter oh underscore that underscore underscore crab. Hello, Scott. Yeehaw. Yeehaw, indeed. What an intro. Uh, all kinds of good intro there. So uh, Scott, let's dive right into it. Tell me all of the reasons why you are very, very excited for Arsenal to sign Willian.
3: I mean, I guess I'm resigned of it happening, and I'm trying to be positive because you know being negative is never good for anybody's health. So I mean I guess the you know the big thing is that William is still a, a good player and it's good to sign good players and he's probably you know a guy that will improve Arsenal next year so yay everybody be happy
1: yeah well great okay so uh, why don't you tell me this look I I'm on the Chelsea front I've been more focused on their young players because I'm kind of curious whether they're going to come good and what that means for the future of Chelsea as as a rival. So I admit I haven't really focused on Willian. I, I sort of have been told he had a good season. Can you contextualize the kind of season he had, and you know, if if he doesn't fall off the age cliff next season, what we are getting from him, and and whether you, you're excited at least per, per, putting the squad side of it aside, you know, whether it's the right move, would you be encouraged about the actual player playing for Arsenal next season?
3: I mean, in the sense that, you know, Arsenal don't really have a – he fills a lot of the role that Arsenal need. Um, Arsenal aren't the most creative teams in creating shots for their teammates, so that's something that he's good at. He's a good ball progressor. He's good at getting the ball um, from the midfield and actually moving it into the penalty box, you know, either through passing or carrying. So that's something that will be very helpful and badly um, needed
1: actually, and badly needed. Yeah. Frankly. And that's yeah. one of the
3: things that it's actually, you know, it's not necessarily kind of damning with faint praise, but you know, I saw somebody compare him to Alex Iwobi and their radars and it's eerily similar how good or how well those match together. Um So that's something that was definitely missing from Arsenal this year and hopefully something that William is able to do. Um He takes a few shots, you know, not always in the greatest locations, Um but yeah, he's, he's, Tricky winger, you know, is good with the ball his speed, good at passing, um, consistently rates as one of the, you know, the higher people in my passing rating, usually around the, the 95th percentile or so. So he's got lots of good skills, and hopefully those continue to not deteriorate next year and in however long this contract is. It might get ugly at the end, though.
1: Mm. Um, so I guess then the question is l- let's for a minute, instead of just beating up this move as being dumb for one reason or another, let's say that this is a move that we're going to do. Let's that's just,
3: that's just mm-hmm. put it, it's a dumb move.
1: Okay, right. Fair. Okay, yes. Let, but rather than analyzing the dumbness of it, let's analyze the ways in which Arteta could use this player such that it adds value. Do you see him, as we discussed in the previous section, playing on the left – Allowing Oba to move central, possibly seeing Lacazette leave the club, is it is that the evolution of, of this move for you? Because I I can't. It, there are very few reasons I can understand why we'd be bu- or signing him, but signing him to be Pepe's backup like makes zero sense to me. Yeah, I,
3: I definitely think that. I mean, he can theoretically play anywhere in the attacking you know band. You know, left, right, central. He's played all positions, although he has primarily been from the right. Uh, so if Arsenal are signing him to play from the right, that is more of a head scratching because that's one of the, the few players, you know, for attacking wise that Arsenal actually have that's a peak player. And it's a, a guy that they just signed. And I'm hoping that, you know, was showing green shoots at the end of last year and can hopefully kick on to be kind of what we, we paid for him to be. So I think that would be very silly to see him do that. But then you also have to remember Arsenal do have Europe next year. Um, it's going to be a very compressed Premier League schedule. So mm. I think that rotation and actually having players you know you, know, you can actually trust in those positions is good. Um, you know we've all seen what the bench has been like in these last couple of weeks, where it's been pretty ugly and barren. And it would be nice to you know if William isn't starting. You know, be able to bring him as you know fresh legs off the bench would be a positive thing. But yeah, I, I definitely imagine that he will be primarily starting from the left, with hopefully you know Aubameyang through the center and Pepe on the right. Uh, I guess that's the the plan. But then you do have to worry also that that's also where two of Arsenal's best prospects really kind of start with. So you don't really want to block them. So yeah, it's a, a bit of a head scratcher.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I. Uh, Clyde, Clyde posited that, that Saka may pl- play more as an eight. Um, I still think Saka's a left winger. Like, I, I just put him on the freaking left wing. The guy crosses beautifully. He's got a dribble. He plays great in the final third. Like, I'd love to see him there. Blocking his path seems silly to me. Maybe, maybe play Willian as more of an eight. Maybe you let Willian be more of a final third entry ball progression guy. Um, Yeah. And I
3: think that's something that makes sense. You know, as players get older, it's usually go closer to goal or go further away from goal. Mm. So maybe as he's, you know, he loses a little bit of a step and can't do the winger things. Maybe he follows a, you know, I I, mean, it's a huge shoes to fill to kind of say, you know, Santi Gazzola type path where, you know, he, you know, drops deeper, becomes more of that connector player um, a little bit. You know, I can't see him like dropping
1: that. that deep. I, that, that yeah, seems a I, I,
3: don't, I don't anticipate it, but yeah, that's something that you could imagine. Something like that. not being a guy that plays around the penalty box, maybe plays as that attacking eight kind of a move. I, I don't think that would be totally outlandish
1: yeah but, I, I mean if yeah. if you want to play a four three3 I mean and you have Sabios if he stays kind of shuttling and and more box to box and William staying a little more advanced and then whoever that deepest player is I mean I'd like it to be someone other than granite Chaka but if it's Chaka so be it like that could work for me I I think the other issue interesting thing then is <sighs> between martinelli who eventually comes back and between Saka, I would like them to have playing time the fact that we have Europa now means they will get playing time. Um, you know, and whether or not they play more in the Premier League, well, Europa won't be relevant for Martinelli, he won't be playing, obviously, he'll be coming back, but, so I can see William playing as an eight, as a left wing, and as a right wing, he he would have some playing time at all those positions, and maybe there's a value to that, um, maybe he even plays, like, a false nine, a, a little bit, I mean, the thing that's weird to me about the idea of him playing on the left and, and Aubameyang moving central is, Arteta went out of his way to never use Aubameyang as center forward. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's not like Lacazette started some games there, but when it wasn't Lacazette, it was Aubameyang, and Arteta's chomping at the bit to get Aubameyang central. Scott, there is no suggestion that Arteta wants to use Aubameyang as a center forward up top in a 4-3-3. Like, there's been no indication of that at all. Now, that doesn't mean... I mean, he's hes on record saying this isn't the football he wants to play because he doesn't have the players he needs yet. But like, I just think there's a lot of wish casting from Arsenal fans who think this move helps get Yang into the center because Arteta never played him there. I mean, he had obvious yeah, no, times is, he could have. He really yeah. never did it.
3: Yeah, and, and you know, it's one of those things is that he, well, Yang really did really kind of settle into that, you know, the guy that starts on that left wing, but it was really more of a left forward um, versus, you know, like a left wing or a, you know, left attacking midfielder role. So I, I liked the way that he did play off of it. And then I think there was starting to be a little bit more of the, you know, our striker plays more as a, a false nine when we were doing this, you know, three four three kind of a thing so we could actually have something like that. So, I, I mean, yeah, I, I'd like to see him get more touches central. I'd like to see Pepe be able to get more touches central, but I think that would really, you know, necessitate Arsenal like switching to that three in the midfield so we can have more of those guys that connect. And then, you know, you have your, you know,
1: backs there to there to provide you with. Mm. So l- let me ask you this then, um, which is literally what I do as the host of a podcast. I'm, I got to stop saying, let me ask you this. It's literally what I do. And then the irony is I don't ask anything. I just say something for like two and a half minutes and stop talking and expect you to answer best. So the whole thing doesn't make any sense. But se- setting aside that meta portion of the podcast, um, one of the, the deals we've been linked with is Coutinho. Now, yes. if we were getting Coutinho and... Set aside for a minute whether we should do that deal. I think that makes the Willian deal even less sensible for us. Because in my mind, if you think Willian can sort of play near, more like near the top of the box, play kind of that eight role, kind of become that playmaker and linking player that, that we haven't really had, great. But then, you know, that's where Coutinho wants to operate. You're certainly not going to put him on the wing. And if you think you're going to play Coutinho and Willian, then you're really talking about less playing time for Sacco, who you've just re-signed. I don't think that's the best outcome. So do you think that doing the Willian move puts puts the end of the speculation on a Coutinho move? Or could you see both happening? Is, would you rather have I, I mean, I personally, I think I'd still rather have Coutinho. I mean, he's younger. I think he's, his ceiling is higher anyway. I think he does more of the things we miss. But where do you fall on, on those two rumors and, and the way they're intertwined?
3: I mean, yeah, and I think you're right. They do kind of operate in areas that they both want to be in, um, especially if Willian is going to you know, drop back a little bit further, not necessarily be a, a full-on attacking you know, midfielder kind of a thing. So, yeah, it is a little bit confusing about why, but I guess it's also not confusing in who their agents are, and that basically is who runs Arsenal these days. So, yeah... <sighs> You're making me depressed, and I didn't want to be depressed.
1: Well, you're an about- Arsenal fan, so welcome well, welcome to the party, pal, as Bruce Willis once said. Kind of funny, because Tim Stilberto on Twitter, who is uh, uh, with his new baby, but still tweeting through it. Um, back on May 7th, 2019, he said, I would imagine Arsenal will start becoming linked with a lot of Kia Jarabshian players once Edu takes the role. That's the link to follow here. Interesting. Subsequently, in that thread uh limpar 33 said he's also Cucino's agent and tim said yeah david louise is too <laughs> so i mean the layers of prescience there uh are pretty crazy this lets us start to tilt the conversation and we won't go long since we're already over the hour mark of the podcast but i mean look i don't want to kick the club i don't want to assume the worst with scouts being let go it's hard not to lean into the perception that we are really becoming driven by cozy agent relationships. So, do you do you have a feeling about the future of Arsenal existentially and what we're seeing happen right now in terms of the the structure of a player recruitment and squad building?
3: I mean, to me, the the worry is that we've been kind of lurching from one short term stopgap move to the next. Um, I imagine that's something that could just continue. Um, We're going to talk more about this later when we're doing some squad building, but you know, you look at the way that Arsenal are built and you can kind of see the makings of a plan and why these moves kind of make sense, but it's very much, we have old players, we have young players, we don't have much in between. So it's like, I guess the plan is let's try to build a bridge to these young promising players that we want to see and you can see a certain logic to that, but it would also be nice if the players that we're getting now had some sell-on value when they are done being the bridge and we could actually, you know, use that to continue to build instead of, you know, kind of being players that, you know, as soon as they sign on the dotted line, you know, become a negative transfer value kind of a thing like we have so many of at the club right now. Mm. So I guess in a sense I, I see the semblance of a plan I don't love the plan. It's not what I, if I was a consultant, would have tried to sell to the club to try to do. But I guess, you know, I'll try to trust the process as best I can because these are kind of the cards that have been given.
1: Yeah, I, I think like it, look, there is always a tendency to view things as either totally good or totally bad. And that is never the case. But when you are trying to build a squad to win Champions Leagues and titles, which is what Arsenal Football Club should be about, there's not a huge margin for error, especially given that we're not just going to be funded by Daddy Warbucks. You know, we, we, at some level, the, 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 the uh, resources are limited, right? And so the margins are small and the resources are limited. You have to make the resources go as far as they will. Are there times when these cozy agent relationships and agent led recruitment can lead you to some really good opportunities? There are. But you've got to make sure that that's in balance with other approaches that can help extend your resources beyond what they might otherwise secure. Now, you could say Tierney's a great example of doing that. Martinelli is, and Ganduzi, you know, his shitheadedness aside. Like, so it's, I don't think it's time to go full doom because there are moves. That certainly are encouraging, but isn't that really the point, Scott? It's that essentially to to achieve what a club of our stature wants to achieve, with the resources being finite in the way that they are. Unlike you know, say a Manchester City, you just don't have a huge margin for error, and leaning into any one approach, especially an approach like agent led recruitment, um, is is probably not going to get you to the mountaintop. Yeah,
3: and I think you know the news coming out of Arsenal right now is that you know they we don't have money it's one of those things this really highlights we can't really afford to make big mistakes and you know these are the kind of moves that you know yes it's a free transfer but it still comes with a really large commitment and there's not really a way to get rid of the asset that doesn't really kind of hurt club financial you're gonna have to include money you're gonna have to pay wages to be able to kind of move on a guy and that's something that's you know happened repeatedly with this team um so it's it's really hard to you can't just you know write off the mistake if you know you're manchester city you can afford to just you know hold on to something manchester united can do the same thing chelsea have been able to do the same thing you really have to you know hit on a lot of your things you have to be able to do that and you know then i guess if you don't hit on them Make it so the mistake is not so big that it absolutely hamstrings you to whatever you have going on.
1: Yeah, and I mean, as we're recording this, there's news breaking that Gabrielle, the Lille center back, has chosen Arsenal. And news breaks all the time in the transfer window that is blatantly wrong. This comes from a pretty good uh, league, uh, Lille, um, source. You never know. You just never know. Maybe... Just maybe, they know what the fuck they're doing. I, I don't know. I, I guess we will find out. I mean, at the same time, you know, Nathan Ake just went to Manchester City for forty-one million pounds, uh, confirmed. So, like, this idea that the post-COVID market is just going to be dead. Like, I mean, maybe there's going to be a little bit of haircut, but I, I'm sorry, Scott, I don't see ninety million pounds, which is close to hundred and twenty million euro for, um, for uh, Jaden Sancho and forty-one million for Nathan Ake. Forty-one million pounds, like. I'm not, and it, granted the big clubs still have money spent, you know, Manchester United, Manchester city can spend, ain't no pandemic stopping that. But I don't see tons of evidence that the market is this cataclysmic uh, uh, void, vacuum of, of, of activity that we might've expected.
3: I mean, I think you will see that when you start going lower. Um, so I don't think there's going to be necessarily, you know, big money. I don't think, that if Arsenal wanted to sell within the Premier League, there's going to be able to get those giant fees from some of the other mid-table clubs that, you know, you would normally expect to see. Um, And I think that it's really going to... Then we're still going to have to depend on money filtering out. Um, I don't think that... So it's sell a player to free up money to be able to make other moves happen. So we're going to have to see some of the, the big teams make some moves first to maybe free up to... So everybody and, you know, be able to have money to filter through the system.
1: Yeah, I mean, the thing that's interesting is, like, given that it's a day when, you know, 55 people at Arsenal have been let go, and the players a few months ago gave back 12.5%, like, I'd be really curious to see how the football world reacts, because on the one hand, you have teams cutting back on salaries of, you know, staff, and you have players being asked to give money back, and there's certainly revenue losses. Like, let's not pretend there aren't. But on the other hand... At least the early part of the transfer market, you know, it doesn't doesn't look hugely impacted. But again, some of these clubs, they're never going to feel the sting of this sort of thing, at least not not initially. So we'll see. Uh, let's leave it there because it's getting to be a long pod. Uh, Scott, we got plenty more to to do on the patron side with uh, squad building and, and stuff like that. So I will talk to you soon, Scott, on Twitter. Oh, underscore that underscore crab. Thanks, Scott. Thank you. All right, uh, we. We'll have a lot more. We'll have, we'll have more free pods on transfer news and breaking transfer news and hopefully no more uh, hard topics and, and serious topics, things like that, because we don't want to deal with a lot of that. Just announcements of exciting players who are under the age of 35 coming to Arsenal. So uh, we love you, and we'll talk to you after Arsenal 10. Transfer window news.